0: we are live hello 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 and welcome to strong tea i'm vicky and i'm katie
1: and we are so so lucky to have a wonderful returning guest today Uh, we've got the lovely katie stevenson back with us hi katie hi (laughs) Uh, if you haven't joined us before um, we are Strong Tea and Strong Tea is a podcast which started out uh, with Vicky and I just discussing anything and everything and our love of wanting to educate others and highlight taboo topics and topics which are traditionally difficult to talk about, um, things that people tend to stick their hand their head in the sand over. So this is no exception and we do have the wonderful Katie returning to us today. If you haven't listened to Katie's original podcast, um, that's number three. Um, episode three so please give that a listen that's available on Spotify before I get the wonderful Vicky to uh, reintroduce the wonderful Katie it's gonna be very confusing with all these Katie's um if you haven't joined us before we do talk about what we're drinking so because Katie is our guest today what are you drinking well I was very
2: lucky that the hubby did a Costa run this morning and I've got mint tea
1: good effort hubby Mm. Oh, nice. i do enjoy him I,
2: I had to go to the doctor's so while i was in there he was like i'll go and get a nice drink for you so he, good. Got you got,
1: he went large as well that looks massive it is yeah Oh, it's, oh what a <laughs> legend super size super oh. size mint tea good effort, <laughs> hubby what about you vicky what are you drinking
0: um i've gone for a pucker night time because Ooh. I just need something soothing because my um, throat's a bit scratchy. I know, it's, it's that... 10 o'clock in the morning. I know.
1: Yeah, is that tempting fate? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, if I go silent halfway through it, don't take it personally.
1: <laughs> just start tapping the microphone to wake you up.
0: <laughs> I will, I will. Although my, my dog, Cherry, is here as a sound engineer. So she will be testing the microphone every now and then, particularly when Daz the postman comes by. So um, if you hear Cherry, then she is doing her job very well. Well, that's good because I've got production assistant Freddie
1: here today, um, who was supposed to be napping now um, and he's not. So uh, if you hear little squeaks and squawks and uh, whatever, then that's him. Um, But because I have a 10 week old baby slapped on my chest at the moment, um, I'm not drinking tea or any form of hot drink because we're coming into the second heat wave, um, wonderful heat wave. I'm currently drinking 10 o'clock in the morning. um, I've found a new drink. It's called Posh Pop and I'm drinking cream soda with a splash of rhubarb.
0: Oh, that sounds magic.
1: Yes. Yes, it is where is this from please um well it's a company called uh, bear in mind other cream sodas are available um but this is from a company called breckland orchard and they only sell in uh like to trade i can not think of the word but um they you can also buy on amazon (gasps) so
0: i've got hubby to buy me a crate off amazon and i'm just plowing through it it's amazing Oh, yeah, that's going to have to Sounds be done, amazing. isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is God, good. I love a cream soda. I've not had one of those in years. Oh. Do you remember when you used to get Coke floats, when, like, you got fizzy cream yeah. soda or something with ice cream in them? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not the one for me, I'll be honest. No. No, because no, all, the, all the creaminess from the froth yeah. that came up from it. Yes. A nom, a nom, a nom, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, I digress then. Um, so, yeah, welcome back to Katie. Katie's episode, um, episode three, is the one that gets remarked about and upon quite a lot and it's just testament to the incredibly inspiring and wonderful human that she is um this episode might not be an easy one to listen to but it's so important and we cannot say enough how lucky lucky we are to have Katie share this with us um your openness and engagement in wanting to talk to us about this um it's no doubt going to help others and make a huge impact so thank you Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Um, Without further ado, I will literally go to you, Katie, and say, can you tell us about your cancer journey? Um, A quick recap of where we were in episode three and where we are now.
2: Yeah. So, um, again, I think I said this at the beginning of the last episode, but I just want to caveat all of this by saying, this is my journey. And anyone that goes through any sort of cancer journey, they're all so different. So this is what's happening to me. It doesn't, you know, I don't want to freak anybody else out. Um, but also it's just about raising awareness so that we can just be more aware of what could happen. Um, but yeah, so I think when we spoke last time, so I had been diagnosed in March, 2020, I'd found a lump in my right breast, had an inverted nipple as well. So they were the two kind of telltale signs, which is why I went to the doctor, got diagnosed with breast cancer, um, had it had traveled to my lymph nodes. So I had uh, chemotherapy, radiotherapy, mastectomy, and immunotherapy as well so I basically had all the treatment that they could throw at me um, because at the time the idea was that it was treatable with the idea of it being curable if possible Um, and yeah went on to carry on and start living my life basically and, and start building things back again because when you have something like that obviously it just it rocks everything so um yeah I retrained as a life coach and as I say just started to really rebuild my life and then um June beginning of June I decided it'd be a really good idea to start Couch to 5k again because I was like right I feel like I can do this again let's start building this up so I went out for a run left my house literally around the corner from my house was doing my run, started filming myself for my Instagram stories because I'm that person. <laughs> and, <I> thought, <laughs> and we love it, by the way. We, love we, do, love it. <laughs> we do love it. <laughs> well, I normally was thinking, like, I, I want to inspire people to, like, get up and move, basically. So yeah. that's why I do it. It's not because I think I'm great at running or anything. But anyway, um, and as I was running and I had the camera up, I could feel – it's really hard to explain, but I could feel my eyes – wanting to turn to the left and all of a sudden my whole body just started having convulsions and i was aware of it but i could do absolutely nothing about it And it was like my whole body kind of wanted to go to the left now the problem was was that i was running alongside a road and the left was the road um luckily, it was a country lane. Luckily, there was a I say luckily, but there was a car coming towards me. But they could obviously see what was happening. And they were driving slow enough that when I fell in front of the car, they didn't hit me. Thank goodness. Oh, um, so, yeah, I'd had a seizure. And to be honest, as soon as I came round, I knew that there was obviously something wrong and I just knew what it was. Um, by the time I came round, I had a load of people around me that were looking after me. The ambulance had arrived. And I remember hearing my husband as well. So I knew that people were there to help me. Um, and I just said to the ambulance, you need to go and scan my brain. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I said, I've had breast cancer. You need to go and scan my brain, because if you have breast cancer, the next places that it will spread to. There's a few, and I don't know if I can remember them all, but one of them is the brain, Um, liver, I think, Um, bones is one. I can't remember all of the others, but there's there's a few. So there's like five places that it would then go to if it had spread. And I've passed out a lot before. When I was younger, I used to pass out quite a bit. So I knew that it wasn't a faint. I knew it was something more serious. So as I say, as soon as I came round, I just knew that I needed to have my brain scanned um so yeah I got taken to the hospital and had my brain scanned and basically within like the day I had it confirmed that there was a growth um hubby was keeping out hope that it wasn't cancer even though obviously it was very high risk chance that it was um and then I got it confirmed later that day that it was the breast cancer had spread to my brain So that is kind of, yeah, where it all started this time as kind of that's how it how it happened. I had no other warning signs. There was literally nothing. But I had a two centimetre tumour growing in my brain. So, yeah. And where are we now? So after that, I was put on really strong steroids. And the idea of that was to reduce the swelling to stop seizures um which must have helped but the problem with steroids I swear they gave me steroids that were enough to kill a horse I was only on them for three weeks and I blew up you get this what they call moon face on steroids and I just blew up in size but by the end of the three weeks I was barely mobile I could barely hold a conversation it was just hideous um and then I got referred up to London um for a specialist to have a, a look at obviously what was going on and they decided originally they thought they were going to do radio um what's it called Not, yeah radiotherapy they thought they were gonna do radiotherapy to my brain but they decided that actually where it was which is at the front of the right side which is why my body wanted to go to the left when I was having my seizure because the right affects your left um they could actually take it out. So they said that the best option would be to have surgery. So within, I had my consultation on the Friday and I was having surgery the next Wednesday. So three days later.
1: (laughs) That must Um, have been quite a lot to take in that you were going to have brain surgery.
2: Yeah, to be honest, I was so out of it on these steroids that at that point, I... (sighs) It w- I was really struggling and I just thought, I just don't care right now. Just make me feel better because they were really doing me in. The problem was that I was on such a high dose and when you're on steroids, it affects um, wound healing. So when you then have surgery, obviously, so they had to take me off them really fast. So they didn't do it cold turkey, but they might as well have because over two days I was off them. Wow that then brought along a load of side effects that were really horrible as well um mainly bone pain which i never thought would i don't know i don't know what i was kind of expecting she told me it was going to be rough but i didn't realize how rough what what does that feel like because I can, I can only like, really imagine like an ache is it like that no it fe- have you ever broken a bone
0: no yeah
2: if you've broken a bone and you know when it it if like the bones rub together Like, before you've had it fixed. Yeah, it feels like that. It felt like my I remember I went to I had the appointment and she said, right, we need to cut you off these steroids. So we're going to don't take any more today because I had my morning load. She's like, don't take any more today. I was like, okay, fine. And then I was going to Ed Sheeran that night. And I said to her, should I still go or not? Because obviously I was worried about COVID. She was like, absolutely, go live your life. Like, it's really important that you go and do these things. So I went to Ed Sheeran and I was with my friend. and We stayed in a hotel because I couldn't, I wasn't mobile enough. I would never have been able to get home afterwards. So we stayed in this hotel, four o'clock in the morning. I literally, my knees felt like they were broken and I couldn't lay them out, bend them, stand up, sit down, lay down. It, I was literally rolling around in agony so I'm with my mate and I'm having to wake her up at four o'clock in the morning I'm like have you got any painkillers on you at all I need to take something it was it was really hard then the morning so then I didn't sleep because I was in so much pain then in the morning I was like I'm not really sure how I'm going to get downstairs because obviously we I don't know we were like six floors up Mm. I didn't know how I was going to walk to the lift get down on the lift to go downstairs to then eat breakfast so that I could take the small amount of steroids that I was allowed. Cause I was thinking hopefully if I take a couple, it will alleviate some, it didn't. So we got downstairs. As I say, I don't really know how I did it. She went and got my breakfast. I nearly pass out at the table because it's so painful. Oh, Honestly, it was just ridiculous. There was a couple next to me, and I was like, I'm really sorry, but I need to lay down, otherwise I'm gonna pass out. And they were like, okay. <laughs> I was like I'm really sorry to like lay next to you while you're having a nice romantic breakfast <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was it was hideous um I had to have the manager come and literally carry me to my friend's car and I'm not a small girl so <laughs> bless her heart
1: oh. um,
2: yeah it was it was really horrible anyway so then we had the brain surgery on the Wednesday and to be honest wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be obviously it hurt obviously it wasn't nice um the hospital stay was rubbish but
1: you know it is what it is you sound uh, quite chilled out when you're talking about all this oh, i had brain surgery you know i can't I can't even imagine like being in your position and being like oh, i'm going to have brain surgery now what what was it like just just before like when you were sort of preparing they're preparing you for theater how did you feel
2: um numb right <clears throat> to be honest for most of that time I felt numb again the steroids meant that I didn't actually feel anything mm. at all like I've been told that I had because it had spread it meant that I was stage four stage four means that it's incurable uh, it means that my life is now limited and we don't know how long I have um I was told all of that and not one tear nothing and I looked at my husband who was sobbing his heart out. Nothing. It was the weirdest feeling. And I was, and I just knew I was like, I'm not processing anything. I'm just numb. And actually, I wonder now whether I think some of it will be your brain. Cause when you go through a trauma, obviously, your brain tries to protect you a bit. So I wonder how much of that was that and how much of it was the steroids. I'm not really sure. But yeah, I was just numb to the whole thing. I just, yeah, I just wanted it over and done, with,
0: basically. So so obviously, you you had the surgery, um you came round, and then when was the prognosis given to you? So the prognosis was actually given to me beforehand, so I knew before. right okay. Um,
2: the idea of the surgery was to remove the tumor. um but with stage four, it will come back. Where, when, everything else, we don't know um it's kind of how long is a piece of string we literally Mm -hmm. don't know um but the idea it kind of is now you I'm I'm basically firefighting you know trying to keep it away as much as possible and not that I can do much about it it's just going to happen when it happens uh but yeah that that's basically it
1: Is the plan, like you talk about firefighting and, you know, you say it could, you know, crop up in different places. Is the plan um, by your consultant to sort of potentially use surgery as a firefighting tool from this point forward?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it needs, whatever needs to happen, basically um so as I say I've had the tumor out and they think that they got it all the problem is they thought they got it all with my mastectomy as well Mm -hmm. they can't see with the human eye you can't see as a cell they're so small that you can't see them and obviously I've had a cell some cells I don't know travel around my body and it's gone up to my brain um so, yeah, we, we don't know 100 percent, obviously, if they've got it all and um, I've got I will be kept an eye on. So I have regular checks, regular scans to see kind of what the situation is. And then we kind of go from there. So I've got an early scan, uh, it, which will be after six weeks from surgery. So it's the end of August. And the idea of that one is that I had a scan before I left the hospital, but there was so much swelling, it could be hiding under the swelling. So we need to have another scan once the swelling has gone down to see if there's anything there. If there isn't, I'll get referred back to my local hospital. If there is, we will then discuss what that's going to be. And that will probably look like radiotherapy to the brain if if there is something that shows up with that one. So yeah I think um one of the main kind of things that I wanted to kind of get across when we have this conversation was that when what there was two things that I learned that I didn't know one of which was when I had chemotherapy as much as I felt like it was doing me in while I was having it because it does affect everything and there's awful side effects I thought it was doing everything But what it doesn't do is go across the blood-brain barrier. So I never knew that actually the chemotherapy isn't actually doing anything in my brain. It was just doing my body. So I never knew that. So I never knew that there was obviously then a chance or I guess a higher chance of it happening in your brain. And the second thing I didn't know is that when they do a full body scan, they're not actually full body scans. They are from your neck to your pelvis. So they don't actually check your brain, which to me is absolute insanity when they know that breast cancer can go to the brain and that chemo, for example, I know there's other treatments, but chemo, it wasn't going across the blood-brain barrier. So had I have known that, I would have advocated much higher for myself and spoken to the consultants and said, I need something, you know, I need to just be checked.
1: So, yeah. The, the whole full body scan, it's a little bit misleading then, isn't it, in terms of what it what it says. It, I can't even begin to imagine what the last, you know, couple of months have been like for you. I know this is the probably the stupidest question in the world, but how – how do you feel at the moment how are you processing everything uh with
2: therapy <laughs> because yeah it's really hard to process everything to be honest i feel a little bit lost at the moment i think that's i'm hoping with time that that will get better um but yeah i feel quite lost with all of a sudden i'm like well what not what's the i guess kind of what's the point actually because I feel a little bit like you know I had all these goals and dreams that I was trying to achieve and work towards but now I know that I'm probably not going to get there I probably haven't got time to get there now and do I want to spend the rest of my time doing these things now or do I want to do something different and that's where I feel a
0: little bit like what do I do you know it's a massive shift in mindset because as you said the future now looks completely different mm. um and with stage four and the prognosis you've been given and that you you just don't you just don't know mm.
2: yeah the hardest part for for well one of the hardest parts is loads of hard parts but one of the hardest parts is that our world is set up to look at the future and our brains are set up either future or past And what I now have to do is learn how to live in the present moment. And that's really difficult to do when you've always had, like I say, had a goal or had something that you're working towards. Um, Now, you know, I have to learn how to take each day for what it is and to try and enjoy it. Although there is that whole toxic positivity thing of, you know, we have to really enjoy every single moment that we have and appreciate everything. Well, that's not life. And actually some days I have days where I just cry, you know, Mm -hmm. two days ago I was like, just wanted to sit on my bed and cry all day. So, you know, that's one of those things.
0: How has, um, obviously you, you mentioned Dan there and his initial reaction in the hospital, but how has it been with the family? And um, so you you've got two small kids as well, haven't you?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, kids are amazing, aren't they? And actually, they teach me how to be in the present moment because that's how they are. You know, they just have to. They just think about what's happening right now and is their tummy full or not, and have they got games to play or not? And, uh, so yeah. So, my son is much more. I guess aware because he's had people in his class who have had family members pass away from cancer. So as soon as somebody mentioned that to him, he's now aware that that is a possibility. We have not said that to him. We have been very open and honest with the fact that I was in hospital and I wasn't well. And I had brain surgery because obviously I don't want them coming near me, smacking me around the head or jumping and climbing all over me. Um, so we've been honest with that. We just haven't been on, we haven't told them what it ultimately means. Um, so yeah, they've been, they've been okay. It's again, it's been a bit difficult because they've had to be looked after by other people quite a bit. Um, hubby is he had kind of, I think when you first get diagnosed, you kind of have in your head that you're going to die tomorrow. I know that sounds weird, but you're like, that's it. My life's over. Mm. And then when you start to realize that actually, like now, for example, I feel okay. And because I feel okay, I'm doing things like I would normally do. So he's then calmed down a lot. Mm. I think as it gets maybe towards when I'm a bit more poorly and things like that, that's when it will hit home again for him. But yeah, he's, he's kind of calmed down quite a bit. Um, But it, It's amazing how many people it has affected. I think you see the ripple effect of people that I've spoken to or people that don't even know who I am that have messaged me on Instagram and said, oh, like your story's really resonated with me or whatever that is, you know. So Mm -hmm. it's amazing the ripple effect that you see when something like that happens. The other thing that's funny is that you start to see i say it's funny it's not funny but you start to see the grieving process happen before you're gone yeah and actually that's quite a positive thing for me i've found or no that sounds really awful no 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 but i've realized how many people care about me and it's actually been quite a nice thing to go like you care about me i care about you let's tell each other we love each other because you know that's so important we shouldn't be leaving that until it's too late to tell people or that they don't realize you know so yeah that's one of the positives that have come out of it.
1: It's really lovely to hear you say that because I know when Vicky and I talked about um, the questions for this episode we both sort of were wondering you know how do people know how to talk to you like do, it sounds like people are being really you know open and things but you know especially close friends and your other family members do people know how to approach you about it because it's it's hard for everyone isn't it it's i mean it's incredibly hard for you but for everyone to accept what that means for you
2: yeah I, it's re- it's really individual um i've had close friends that have not wanted to or have not been as present But I know have are finding it hard. I've had. I think it's helped that I'm so open about it, and because I want to talk or I'm happy to talk about it, people know that they can come and approach me. I think the there's two things that wind me up when people tell me, like talk to me. One of them is when people say, "Well, we could all get hit by a bus tomorrow or whatever," and that drives me mad because I think. Absolutely, we could all get hit by a bus, but I'm standing in a bus lane at the moment, and that's one thing that you know. When you're facing your own mortality, we we all we all know we could die at any point. We all know that. But you're when you're told, like this is the facts, is that you're not. It's not going to be. You're not going to reach the old age that you were hoping to, or whatever that you know, whatever that looks like. Um. So that's one thing that winds me up. And the other one is when people, I, to be fair, there's more that people don't understand. But when people say to me things like, you were so positive last time, you know, why are you not as positive this time? Or um, you've beat I, it I, before. Pe- people, people are idiots sometimes, aren't oh they? my
1: days.
2: yeah when people say like you beat it before you can beat it again and it's like it's not going to work like that (laughs) and it's not that I'm not fighting I'm not you know when people say oh she's lost her battle that type of thing you know like when you see people that have died and it's like it's not that they didn't fight like they wouldn't it was never a battle because they were never going to win it yeah it's you know, I know that I'm not going to win this one. I know I'm not going to come out of it triumphantly. Last time I was very determined and very like, I can be cured. That's great. I'm going for this. Um, whereas this time I I can't, you know, I I there's nothing that I can do.
0: You you mentioned there about um your openness, and that's one of the things that I just find so inspirational is that you how you just lay it out there um your Instagram stories Katie's world everything it's all detailing your journey um the good days the bad days you do ask me anything live and those kind of things I think are allowing people to come into that space and that world with you yeah absolutely which is going to really help them but equally some idiots are going to take advantage of that thinking oh well she's so open I can literally ask anything insensitive or not but how are you finding that process of being open and being your authentic self on good days and bad days how are you finding that
2: to me, it's like therapy and that's why I do it mostly. So my blog started years ago before anything to do with cancer. And it was always a way of me, I guess, kind of journaling, which I didn't realize at the time, but it was a way of me just getting it out of my system, putting it down somewhere and putting it out there. Because what I then realized was that actually the way that I am, a lot of other people are the same. And we're sometimes we don't want to come across that way or we don't want to talk about the negative things, but actually we're all thinking them and feeling them. So why not just why not just mention it? Mm. Um, so yeah, for me it's been kind of therapeutic, to be honest. Um and also, you know, I've had so many lovely messages from people, people that have now started checking their boobs, people that have gone to smear tests when they were late doing that I had somebody the other day that said you know what my best friend passed away from breast cancer and I had so many questions I wanted to ask her but never felt I could and you've just answered what I needed to know so for me I as I said I feel a little bit lost with what I'm gonna what you know why am I here what was the point of it um but actually maybe that kind of gives me a bit of comfort that you know I have I am making a difference and I am helping people.
1: Well, from a personal perspective, mm-hmm. um, I have, because uh, you know, we had the conversation last time and I was just like, I'm I'm almost too afraid to do it because what if I find something? And you said, yeah, but what if you do? And I was in the shower like the day after we recorded that and I was like, do you know what? I need to, you yeah, I hate the phrase man up, but you know, woman up and, and do this because, you know, what you said really resonated to me. I think you've, been through so much not just recently but obviously your entire journey and helping others is absolutely amazing it's helping yourself as well what do you feel most proud of in this journey
2: oh that was a good one um what do I feel most proud of probably that to be honest like even just hearing that like that makes me so happy because if you do find a lump and you go and get it checked and nine times out of 10, it isn't cancer. So that'd be great. And mm. if it is, then early detection saves lives. And it's that's so cliche. Obviously we hear it all the time, but it's so bloody true. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, I, I did everything I could at the time. So I found my lump. I went straight to the doctors so I can say with a not heavy heart. What's the word? I can Honest. say, yeah, I can say confidently that I did everything that I could. Mm-hmm. But I also know people who ignored symptoms and then got diagnosed straight away as stage four.
1: Yeah, who
2: yeah. feel absolutely gutted that they ignored it.
1: Yeah,
2: you know, if you look it, at Sarah Harding, for example, mm-hmm. a very, pop, very um, popular, I guess. Yeah, it's, you know, you, you, we all kind of knew who she was and understood. But she ignored her symptoms for a long time. She knew that there was something wrong and ignored the symptoms. By the time she went and got diagnosed, she was stage four and obviously has passed away, unfortunately. So, you know, early detection does save lives. And that's that's what makes me feel proud, is that even though I'm going through this, I can help other people.
1: I think what, what you're doing, um, you know, we talked about... Um when Vicky and I did the episode on cervical screening and we talked about Jay Goody Mm. and now more recently uh, we look at Dame Deborah and I look at the things that you're doing and you know, even 10, 20 years ago, people weren't as open and honest Mm. about things like this. And I think what you're doing is just such a legacy because mm. it's it's helping people doesn't matter if it ha- helps one person or 100 people you know just taking some time checking your boobs like you look at all the work that Dame Deborah did and people are now checking their poo which they wouldn't have done before it's amazing because it's such a personal journey and you're obviously thinking every day about what that means for you and you know, there are going to, like you say, good days and bad days, but what you're doing by helping others is just, it's it's incredible. I take my hat off to you. Thank you.
2: I think one of the other things as well, especially with the blogs, with the Instagram things, I want my kids to look back and feel proud too. Yeah. I want them to understand everything. I want them to know how much I love them and
1: <laughs> don't. <Forget Yeah>. Me. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know your kids, and I. I. I'm proud of you, and I've only met you yes. a handful of times on here, and uh, you know your kids are gonna. Wow, what a thing yeah. to leave behind for them. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna get me now. <laughs> as soon as you talk about the kids, that's it. I'm that's done. It.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um Yeah. To, to know that their mum and I always call you this the human unicorn to know that <laughs> you know and to actually say because I think with technology now as well the fact that the videos that you've made are going to be long lasting there's going to be a lot more familiarity with you as a person than potentially 10 20 years ago where you know for example with with my mum you know I've only got limited amount of videos of her and that's later on in this stage of her of her life and you just think that now you've got the technology to really make your legacy stand out for forever now. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, which kind of leads me to my next question really, about what's bringing you the biggest sense or the greatest sense of comfort at the moment? Um, hmm, comfort. <laughs>
2: Therapy. Mm. Is just helping a lot to be honest uh I I really advocate for people to go and talk to somebody and they don't even have to be cancer specialists you know they but yeah I think comfort wise is I've had I had some of my friends set up a GoFundMe which was Mm. just really really kind but the fact that I can now use that money to go and make memories with my kids and things like that you know that's going to be amazing so yeah I'm really chuffed that I can do that and I guess in a very weird way the fact that I have been told that it's going to be short I can now put things into place for them that I probably wouldn't have before or wouldn't have even thought about before Mm. and so yeah that gives me a bit of comfort to know that although I know I'm not going to be there in the future, however long, whenever that is, I can put things into place now that will stand the test of time.
1: I think my question is, is twofold, really. I think where you said, you, when you were talking then, you said, you know, however long that is, that must be a huge challenge to tackle because you just don't know how, how long? And for me, that's quite scary, the, the thought of that. What's, I suppose, what's the biggest challenge for you at the moment? How are you handling those challenges? And I know you said therapy is a big thing for you, but it's so, it's such a huge thing to actually process, isn't it?
2: Yeah. I'll be honest. I'm not there yet. I'm mm-hmm. definitely not there with processing all of this. I'm definitely not there with learning how to live with what I've been told definitely not um I'm just at the moment getting through each day and seeing riding whatever wave comes when it comes to my emotions because you know some days I am fine and I feel positive and I'm like okay we're gonna have a good day other days like I say I'll, I'll cry all day so it's it's just one of those things that I'm just I'm still just trying to ride the waves with it all really and and process it kind of as I go. I have reached out to a couple of people who are a bit further down the journey of stage 4 and kind of have been living it for a while and we will chat and I'm looking forward to doing that because I think unless you're in the situation it's really hard to understand it. Um so yeah that's what that's basically what I'm doing at the moment.
0: So I hate to kind of bring this to a more practical sense but I'm imagining there's probably a few questions about the practicalities of being stage four and obviously with the coaching business and the future of the careers and so on now on hold and not in the forefront of your mind what are the practical difficulties of where you are right now
2: so my income stopped straight away obviously I was in hospital. I couldn't do anything for three weeks because I was out of it. Then I had brain surgery. You know, I'm still recovering from that. So, yeah, that's been that was a really tough thing. And our system in this country, whilst it's great that we can have benefits and things like that, trying to get them is an absolute nightmare. There's I mean, firstly, trying to work out which ones you're allowed to have and which ones you're not mm. allowed to have. Then trying to fill out the paperwork when you're on a steroid. That means that you don't even know who your na- what your name is half the time or you've just had brain surgery and you're trying to think straight. It just is ridiculous there. So for anybody that is going through that, there is a charity. There was a charity. I can't remember its name. I'll find out. Um and basically they assigned me a lady and she came round and she helped me with all of that type of stuff because practically, I couldn't do it myself, the, the PIP form, for example, takes two hours to fill out by a professional who does it all day, every day. How, how was I ever going to do that? So things like that have been difficult. Um, my husband runs his own business, so obviously he had to have time off. Uh, so things like you know I th- I don't know if I mentioned last time when we spoke but things like critical illness cover and accident and sickness cover if you ha- if you don't have those things in place I really recommend that you look at them life cover all that type of stuff because it doesn't just affect you you know I always thought oh well if I was poorly I'd be off work and I wouldn't be able to do this that and everything else that's fine it's just me but actually I now can't drive because I had a seizure, which means I can't drive for 12 months. That means that I now when I was doing all the school runs, all the school clubs running backwards and forwards. That now means that Dan has to finish work early to do all the school runs going late. He has to then do all the the clubs. He has to run me about for wherever I've got to go because I've now got hospital appointments, doctors appointments, you know what, you name it. Plus, you know, having my nails done and things like that.
1: <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> we got to treat ourselves.
2: Exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. But he has to now do all of that plus try and run his business. You know, it really does affect so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum lives in Chelmsford, so that's half an hour away from where I am. So if I need her to come and do anything, she's got to drive 30 minutes just to get to me first of all and then do whatever I needed to do. So it really does impact so much. And I just... I think it's so important that we are aware of that because I used to be a mortgage broker and the amount of people that I used to speak to about things like critical illness cover and they'd be like oh it doesn't matter it won't happen to me or whatever it is I never thought of 33 at at 32 I'd be diagnosed with breast cancer at 34 be diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer and you know, I didn't realise how much financially that would impact us as well. So it's so important to, mm-hmm. to have these things in place, even if you think it's not going to happen to you.
1: <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, I, was oh. I was just gonna I was gonna tread on your your words then. Um this this conversation has two uh this sorry, this question has two sides to it. We always ask people when we talk about different journeys and things that people are on what advice would you give to other people going through what you're going through? And also, what advice would you give to others trying to support those going through it? And I know you said everyone's journey is very individual and very different. But in your own experience, what advice would you give? Okay, so for others trying to support, say
2: something, it doesn't have to be It doesn't have to be anything to do with cancer necessarily, but say something, even if it's, this is really crap and I don't know what to say. Say something. By saying nothing, that person just feels like you don't care. So that's one of the things that I would say is just, yeah, say something. Um, And for somebody going through what I'm going through, um, ride the waves you know ride them and reach out to people um i've had a few people sort of in the dms that have messaged that have said that they haven't really shared with many other people so and again everyone's personal with that some people don't want to talk about it to anybody other people like me will tell the world <laughs> um so if you don't want to tell people, that's fine. But speak to somebody because it's such a heavy burden to carry on your own, and it's scary, and you can feel very lonely. So, yeah, try and reach out to somebody. Uh, but also, you're going to have good days, and you're going to have bad days, and that's ba- that's okay.
1: I'm I'm just I'm just in awe of you, Katie. Yeah. I really am. You 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 taking this whole conversation in your stride every every answer and I would just be a, a big blubbering wreck right now I think I mean
2: <laughs> if we'd have done this two days ago you'd have had a much different <laughs> so, which is what I'm saying is that actually today's a good day the sun's shining I'm feeling physically fine I'm off pain meds now um that, that's what I find weird is that I feel okay Yeah. so even though I know I have this prognosis some days I'm like well I might get my coaching business back up and running and but then I'll have other days where I can't move because my back's killing me and you know physically it's really tough so it's yeah I've already said it's riding the waves it's 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 a tough one but
1: is it how you've said as well sorry vicky i keep you keep opening your mouth there to speak and i'm like oh me me i've got another one <laughs>
0: I'm, just, I'm being a goldfish that's fine <laughs> i
1: don't even have the next one i promise um i don't know you you've said about how you're trying to learn to live in the moment like that must be such a big concept to try and because you're trying to retrain your brain aren't you because you, you we're all programmed to think ahead yeah. like on a day to day basis Is it just get up and see where the day takes you?
2: Yeah. And somebody asked me a question the other day and they said, what are you going to do with your time now? And I literally looked and thought, I have no idea because I've always, sorry, I've always been that person who I've always worked. I've always had big goals, big dreams and so for me, it feels very, very strange. And th- th- that's why I really struggle with it. I, ha- In fact, actually, this is one of my life lessons that I've had thrown at me recently. There's been many, but one mm-hmm. of them is that I actually really struggle with being on my own. I struggle with just my own company and not having anything to do. I'm very good at keeping myself busy. So the other week, the kids were out, Dan was out, and I was at home and I thought, normally now I would jump in my car and I would go shopping or I'd go and get a coffee or I would do something and I couldn't do that and I was forced to sit at home by myself and I just literally was like I don't know what I do I don't know what to do with myself I've never been the type of person that sits and watches tv in the in the daytime so that wouldn't even be a thing for me just because I've never done it
1: Mm.
2: so yeah it's it's been really it's been hard actually. I found it really uncomfortable. I was like, Oh Dan, when are you coming home? I found, <laughs> I found it really weird to sit by myself yeah. um, and I'm going to have to learn how to get to do, I don't know, do something or I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do, but yeah, it's, it's been really weird, really, really strange. To sounds
0: like an incredible self-discovery. It kind of that process of discovering yourself because of this such in unimaginable situation that you're in
2: yeah yeah and it was like oh okay I feel really uncomfortable with just being with myself like (laughs) normally I'll keep myself really busy so yeah I I was like I think I need to journal on this (laughs) (laughs) I need to work out what's going on here (laughs) there's obviously some sort of like pattern that I'm doing here so yeah that was, that was a really big kind of wake-up, I guess, a wake-up call for me of what am, I, what am I
0: doing? Are there other times that you've surprised yourself?
2: I surprised myself when I, yeah, there has actually. So <laughs> one of the things that I would say is that since being diagnosed, I'm now just not putting up with stuff that I would definitely normally have put up with. Um, And I'm not trying to make other people happy if I don't, you know, it it sounds bitchy, but it's not. It's the Mm. fact of I've now learned that I need to put boundaries in place and my boundaries are now the kids, me and Dan, like we are the most important thing. Nobody else. Well, obviously other people, I'm not saying (laughs) nobody else matters, but it's our happiness that we have to focus on. And when, uh, when I went to the Ed Sheeran concert, I had people kind of saying to me, like, you're silly for going because of COVID and obviously you've got your, your uh, operation stuff. And it that kind of really made me open my eyes and realise that I have to now live my life for me and nobody else because I haven't got time to worry about everybody else. And actually, we all kind of need to be doing that anyway. We all need to have our own boundaries in place. We all need to make ourselves happy. So, yeah, there's been a lot of kind of moments that I've gone, oh, okay, Kate, suddenly pulled her big girl pants up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that she didn't have before, and yeah, I'm just not I'm not gonna be. I guess I, I won't be made to feel guilty like I used to, you know, if I felt guilty before, then I'd try and people please. And I'm not doing that anymore. Basically. That's what I'm the people pleasing. Yeah. I'm definitely a recovering people pleaser. <laughs> it's
0: good. I I love how, this, oh, Oh, I love how we try. We didn't do our hand signals. We didn't do our hand signals. I'm going to get a hide under um, the desk. Sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I love how kind of that mantra translates into your Instagram posts as well. And there was one that, and it just still stays with me, of wear the damn shorts. And just, you know, life is too short. Do what you want to do. Wear what you want to wear. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks because in the scheme of things, meh, it's it's you that's important. And I love how that translates into the messages that you're putting out there.
2: Yeah, I do. I love that reel, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had some people that really peed me off as well and said some like stupid things so I did I did a very childish reel and I was like (laughs) if you can't if you can't be nice to me like now basically don't be crying at my funeral and I know that again I know that sounds really awful but it's true like you know if if people can't be nice to you don't be you know epic mic drop (laughs) I I was like oh that's a bit childish but I don't even care
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think we like a couple of things that you've said really highlight just how much we all sort of live with that future of it's never going to happen to me you know we're living ahead really whereas you've said now life's too short I'm going to live for me I'm not going to pe- people please anymore and also the fact that other people are starting to try and hook onto that with you and they're making their feelings to you know now because like you say what's the point of someone crying at the funeral because it's too late then you know actually people stepping up and saying you know what you're doing is immense and i love you for it it's so important we should all just be living like that anyway shouldn't we yeah
2: and this is what i'm saying is that it's just human nature for us to be like that you know we're not doing anything wrong it just it that is just the way we are but i think maybe what if I could kind of go back now and say to myself like what have I learned from this and what could I have put in place before is maybe just connecting in with that a bit more that we could we we don't know when it's all going to end for any of us and yes we could all be hit by a bus tomorrow I get (laughs) it you know but I think sometimes if we actually really feel into that, we would make more of what we've got in front of us. Mm -hmm. And I think I've always been one of those people that strives for more. And that's great, but also just stop for a minute and take a look around what you've got, because you five, 10 years ago would have probably dreamt for what you've got now. But we don't take that time to really think about that. We just focus on, oh, but I've still got this to do. I've still got that to do. The other thing that I've really noticed is that I stress about stuff that really doesn't need to be stressed about. You know, I'll stress about even things like waking up on time or whatever it is. And it's like, right, well, I have to get to bed at this time then if I've got to get up at this time. And it's like, just calm, just go with the flow. Like it doesn't matter. We haven't got to be so rigid and so stressed about everything.
0: I love that. That's just, and it does just highlight uh, the the hamster wheel that we put ourselves on consistently to either fit in or, as you said, to constantly reach something in the future that's how that's how we live our lives I saw this amazing um graphic and it was kind of a person on a bike going uphill and it had Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday and then goes downhill Saturday Sunday you know that's great and then goes uphill again and then down and that that's going to stay with me forever because that is exactly what you're talking about in that we're not living in the present like you're being made to do and actually we should
2: Yeah. So at the weekend we went away to our caravan and while we were there, we went just to a local seaside place. And normally I would be like, right, we have to be there at this time. We have to leave at this time. We have to eat at this time. We have to do this, that. And it was just like, you know what? We'll leave when we leave. We'll eat when we eat. We'll do what we want to do and then we'll come back. Mm -hmm. And And that's exactly what we did. And it was such a nicer way of being And I really realized that I don't need to keep stressing about all these things. I can just, I can kind of let things, yeah, I can just be in that moment and and let it flow.
1: I think you said, so many inspiring things this Mm. episode that I don't know what you're going to say for this final question but we've asked all our since the last time you came on we've we've grown up we've developed um, (laughs) (laughs) we're big girls now yeah (laughs) big girl pants um and we ask all our guests for a final sip which is what would you like to leave the listeners with what would you like to be your legacy I guess
2: I think it is you know, let's all just kind of try and live in the moment. But obviously the most important one is check those boobies. (laughs) Check your boobies, check your bits, check everything. You know, like you said, Dame Dame Deborah, check your poo, check everything. You know, we have to make sure that our body, like we've got nothing if we haven't got our health. Yeah. So we have to just make sure that we're on top of it. So anything that you notice that isn't as it should be, isn't getting better coughs those types of things as well you know all of these things could be symptoms doesn't mean that they are yeah but go and get them checked go and speak to somebody if you're young and you're being turned away because you're too young um I wasn't turned away but I was told I was too young um
1: advocate for yourself yeah
0: yeah you know your body don't you it's That's kind of important yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely and so many
1: people don't know how to do that do they because you know the person not to be stereotypical but the person in the white coat says oh no you'll be fine and you just take their word for it don't you Mm -hmm. but you do know what you know
2: yeah and I think the thing is is that especially with like a lump for example if it's not going away you need to get a second opinion you know that another person can can find out for you as well so yeah it's really important to advocate for yourself um and I'm you know it still might not be anything even if they say to you it's not anything the second time it still might not be anything so that's that would be fine but yeah just advocate for yourself I think we all have kind of like you say we all have a knowing of our own bodies so
0: Mm. it's really
2: important to to advocate.
0: Katie I cannot thank you enough For coming on again, you're super up with me and Katie, yes.
1: uh- <laughs> and i'm talking Thank
0: you over each other. Thank
2: you for having me, and yeah, I just like I say I said at the beginning, it's just I really want to raise awareness and get this out there so that people can can look out for themselves.
1: We'll um include on the uh website post uh if you're happy for us to your um social media handles so people can find you and follow your journey and also yeah. any support networks as well that you think are appropriate that have helped you along the way that might help other people in your situation
0: yeah perfect thank you so much thank you you're an inspiration you really are thank you so much thank you and thank you everyone for for listening and joining us
1: yes thank you and don't forget to join us again for another exciting episode we're not sure what yet, but it will be exciting (laughs) um and subscribe to our channels on spotify apple amazon and google thanks ever so much everyone everyone. take care